You're listening to the Bay Christian Family Church Podcast. Hallelujah. I would like to read this morning from the book of Romans, chapter 4. Right. In my journey with the Lord, I got saved when I was 13, right here in the Cape. I was born in Stellenbosch, but I grew up in the in the Cape Town, I went to Frida Primary School in Cape Town High. I'm a real Cape Townian, born and bred. And by means of it, you come and will graag kapen as wees, maar ek is inner. And so, I was only 10 in my junior or my elementary school, you call it your primary school, and our headmaster had a child evangelist come and talked to the school at, at one of our assemblies, and she had a big flannel board. Her name was Auntie Sunny, and Blundell was, those who were old enough might remember that name. She was a child evangelist, and she had a big flannel board and told a story that I still remember to this day, about, and the story was that Jesus loved me, and I didn't even know who that was. From a Jewish family, my parents exiled the Holocaust and came to Cape Town on a refugee ship, so we weren't Orthodox, we just, we just weren't anything. So. Um, I had divorced when I was a little kid, so it was kind of a rough childhood I'd had. So I found out someone loved me I didn't even know. And then the Lord knew, knowing my Jewish nature, she would hand out, as, after you answered her questions, she'd pick kids and they'd hand them out candy and books and, and even money. And to show you how old I am, she would give reward you with a tiki. Do you remember that, Pastor? No. Aww. A tiki is, a, I don't know how to describe it to you, it's actually two and a half cents, and you could buy a lot of candy with it. And all these Gentile kids were not, Gentiles aren't as smart as Jews, as known fact. And they were, had their hands up and kept making mistakes, so I had my hand up, thought I sat the back, she wouldn't even see me. She picked me and, me? Oh? And I told her the answer, and I got, came forward and got a tiki, and I looked at this tiki and said, someone then gives me money and apparently loves me, I need to f- pursue this God. <laughs> Which I did, and I got saved, and I was 13, the pastor who led me to the Lord just died recently, Jimmy Crompton, and he was a church in Plumstead, and he preached the hell out of me, and I got saved five Sundays in a row. <laughs> I, kept, I loved the nostalgic feeling that I had. And why I'm telling you all this, in my journey with the Lord, the, no one, I, I didn't come from a faith church. We were a very Pentecostal, tongue-talking, devil-chasing church. Everything was sin. Everything was sin, except breathing, and that was suspect. But in my journey with God, nobody taught it to me, but I discovered through the Word of God in my relationship with the Lord that the most powerful entity to get anything, the most the energy of the universe with God is faith. People teach faith, and they call faith preachers. Someone once accused me of that. I said, I never was a faith preacher, but I preached the Word of God. And I found that God responds to faith more than anything. Not your good works, not your efforts, your faith. If you can believe, all things are possible. If your faith be as a mustard seed, it is such a tiny seed, and in your heart doubt not. It was never the volume of faith, but always the lack of doubt. So it's not how much faith you have, it's how little doubt you have. And that's the journey. And all of us have to put our faith in motion because motionless faith gets nothing. That's to be faith with works. They, they two are married together. I've also learned in my journey with the Lord that unless you understand or embrace grace to a certain measure, faith will never function well in your life. 
You'll always be fighting because Jesus said, if you can believe, if you don't understand salvation or the word of God, you can have a hard time understanding your position in Christ that you're able to ask for things with confidence. Ooh, you're an excited bunch. This is, do I have a Presbyterian bunch this morning? Is that what I do? They went down from this early morning lively to this quiet, more sedated people. Anyway, <laughs> yes, indeed. So I'm reading from the book of Romans, chapter 4, verse 18. Against all hope, Abram in hope believed. Now, hope is a positive expectancy. If you're hoping for something, that's good. You must hope for it. Without hope, you're in a terrible place. Hope deferred makes the soul sick. You cannot lose hope no matter how bad things look. While there's a living God, there's always hope. No matter how bad it looks. Because God can. In fact, the whole kingdom of God comes in a can. I can do all things. I can. Not can't. I can. Comes in a can. Yes? All right. Now, don't lose that now. Stay with me. So against all hope, hope in, uh, Abraham believed in hope. What does that mean? Well, when you get a certain age, you're not hoping for children anymore. You've passed that stage. It's not reasonable. Hope was often founded on something reasonable and something that's established. So if you are between 20 and 40, usually if you get that little thing and you look at the color, it's going to change. You're hoping the color will change. When you get to my age, you look at that thing and go, please, God, no, please, God, no, no, no. Because you're not hoping anymore, you're hoping it won't be that. So you get to, you get, now Abraham passed that stage where it wasn't anymore something to be hoped for. And it was against all hope. There's not, it's not reasonable to hope for a child when you're this age. So against all hope, in hope, Abraham believed. Now, I need you to know that most of us in this room, when we say we believe in God, it's usually we're hoping. Because hope is based on something good and reasonable. You're hoping on God's goodness and the scriptures you know. But faith only comes from hearing. We have to have a word. You can't just hope and, and walk on the water. You have to have a word. If that's you, Lord, tell me to come. No, no, why, why would he even do that? Well, the night before, they were feeding the 5,000, not Jesus. He said, what do we have to feed them with? What a ridiculous question. Really? God always asks those ridiculous questions. 5,000 people, we don't cater for 5,000. We don't even have food for ourselves. What do, we, what do we have to feed? What do we? God always takes something you have. You've always got something that he wants. It's the most uncanny thing. You think you have nothing. Moses stands before a burning bush with a staff in his hand. How will they know you sent me? What do you have in your hand, Moses? No, nothing. The other hand. Oh, it's a stick. Right, let's use that. Huh? Throw it down. God will always take something you don't even know that you have. Woman whose husband had died, the prophet and his two children will be taken for collateral for the debt he had. She came to the prophet, my, help me, help me. What do you have? I have nothing. No, you have, must have something. I have a jar with oil. Okay, we'll use that. Uh, go and borrow more jars. God will always use what you have. Well, we have a, f a boy here with some fish and loaves. Okay, bring that. It'll work. And he took the little head, and God, if you, as long as you wouldn't surrender and give it up, make it available, God can use it. You, you, you want God to give you something so you can give, but actually you've got something you want you to surrender. 
always. And he's sometimes reluctant because he thinks it's all you have. Unless you give it up, it's not going to happen. Nothing more will increase. So now, faith comes by hearing, and Peter is told by Jesus, and he has a little plate with a fish head, with three fish and 12 disciples, and a piece of bread. Master, could you tell me again what I must do with this? Give it to them. The, the, the five, and I must tell them they can have as much as they want. Right, right, right. So from Jesus to the people, something had to happen in Peter's heart. He had heard what Jesus said, and he was just stupid enough to believe it. Because you see, thinking messes you up. Because now, a few hours go by, Jesus is up on the mountain praying, comes down walking on the water. They, the others think it's a ghost. It's a ghost. Don't be afraid, it's me. And Peter, not the smartest one, if that's you, he just said it's him. If that's you, tell me to come. Why? Don't know. And it's the strangest thing. Come. That's the prophecy he gets. Come. That's all he needed. He could do it. He had the hope that he could walk on water because they just fed the 5,000. But to have faith, he needed a word. So when you face a crisis of any kind, any kind of challenge in your life, you can say you believe in God, but actually you're hoping. You've got to get faith. Nobody can do this for you. You can have the hope. The hope is the right place to have, the right place to begin. But you need to hear from God. Well, I've got all these scriptures. Yes, but it's dead letter. Unless the Holy Ghost gives us life, it's only a let, dead letter. You've got, to, you've got to have God speak at you. When you know that God's spoken to you through the scripture, through a prophetic word, through a dream, however God has spoken to you, and you know God's spoken to you, then you have faith. I can show you many examples. Jehoshaphat, a godly man, he was panicky about the consuming uh, people to attack him and the Philistines. And he was panicking, and then he calls a solemn assembly, and from there they prophesy, and he completely calm. He, he tells the guys, let's do what we told. Wonderful. Nothing has changed. They're still coming. He's not panicking because he heard a word. Faith came into him. He's completely confident. Middle of the night in the storm, 14 days long in the storm, Paul gets up and says, he says, an angel came to me last night, and I, we, I have to appear before Caesar, and God's graciously granted all your lives with me, and I believe it'll happen as it was told to me. The storm was still raging, still dark, still wet, but he believed because he was told something. So when you want to get your journey going and embark on faith, whatever your challenge is, you've got to hear God. He's got to speak to you one way or another. That you know that you know that you know God has spoken to you. I cannot do that for you. I can tell you what I hear God for you is saying, but you have to get it in your spirit for faith to arise. Do you understand what I'm saying? That's why teaching the Word of God, because one time or another, and I love people to teach on giving. Money is a, is a strange commodity. <laughs> if, you, if you're crazy, they'll lock you up, but if you're rich and crazy, they just call you eccentric. It's amazing how they'll excuse brood people just because they've got money. Money changes everything, and if, you, and if people will call upon God for anything they really need, but they, when they've got no money, they will call upon God with great fervency. Somehow it just changes people's lives. Everything changes the money, and God will always put his finger on money. And then in the church, God says, God didn't want your tithe because he needs your money. The tithing is not for him, it's for us. We need to learn 
commitment and obedience. He gives seed to the sower and bread to the eater. He's giving you the tithe. He gave the tithe so you could surrender it to see if you'll be obedient. It's like giving your children bus money and candy money, but they want to use the bus money and the candy money because they want to buy more candy. Are you hearing me? And that's what, what often children of God do. And then the preachers come along and teach on money. And I love it because you have to have the word inside of you for faith to arise. And when I was a pastor in the, with my wife and I, we were in the in a Secunda area. And a lot of my members would go to Johannesburg and end up in Pastor Theo's church. Christian City, it was called those years. And I, I used to always think he was crazy because he, had the, he was the prosperity man, prosperity. And we always made fun of it. But everybody I ever lost to the Johannesburg area went to that church well, my, my, in my church for years, they'd always be poor. But when they went to him, six months later, they booming financially. So I thought, maybe there's something to do with this I don't know about. Because I am Jewish, so money did interest me. <laughs> and sure enough, I began to learn, and I know now that when they teach you, when they teach you in this, in this auditorium, people goes into your spirit. People don't like it. I always tell pastors, don't worry about preaching about money. If they get offended at you, they're not going to give anyway, so you're not losing any money. So just keep preaching on the ones that have faith. They'll grow more in faith, and they'll become bigger receivers and bigger givers because that's how God's kingdom works. It really does. It really does. God won't ask you to give what you can afford or what's easy to give. No, he's going to ask you what you don't really want to surrender. Like your, your Abraham, you know, the Isaac. Not, didn't ask, can you kill Ishmael? No, no, no. Can you kill Isaac? That was a whole different thing. And he didn't just in a moment just go and do it. It took days. Walking with two donkeys, two servants, every night sleeping for a few nights until he finally went up the mountain alone. And he had complete confidence God would do something. He saw nothing, but he had got confidence. Are you hearing me? Because he knew God. Now, when you're in your journey of faith, like Abraham, and can we finish reading that? I hope I'm not going to go too long here. Now I see you guys getting bored already. So, <clears throat> he said, Abraham, against all hope and hope, believed the father of many nations, just as it had been said to him, so shall your offspring be, without weakening in his faith. He faced the fact. You have facts. And you have truth. The facts are he was already, his body was good as dead. The scripture says he was old. He faced the fact. The facts are nobody can walk on water. The truth is Peter did. Facts are he was old and body was all messed up. <laughs> his wife got pregnant. So it wasn't that bad, right? Since he was 100 years old and Sarah's womb was already dead, he did not waver through unbelief. Unbelief. Where have I heard that before? Unbelief. There was this man who brought his child, an epileptic child, to Jesus, and the child began to seize or manifest the epileptic seizure in front of Jesus. He's rolling his eyes. The Bible says he's writhing on the floor. He's foaming at the mouth. I'm thinking Jesus will have compassion. Let's fix this, fix this child. Poor kid. So he looks at the father and says, So, how long has he been like this? I'm going, really, Jesus, we could talk about this now? This kid's having a seizure. Could we just do the seizure thing first and then discuss this later? Or maybe, why are you asking something you know the answer to? But it was more important to impart the truth than to just give one quick relief. Do you understand? God's building a long-term kingdom, not a short-term relief. But you're always going to have something to deal with. But he wants to learn the truth inside of you that goes on and on and on. 
He's been like this as a child. He said, you throw himself in the fire in the water, almost killing himself. If you can do anything, please. If I can do anything? No, you did. No, you didn't say that. You did not say that. If I can, if you can believe, all things are possible. And he says, I do believe. I do. Help my unbelief. Well, where the hell did you get unbelief? Because that's where it came from. Hell. Where did you get that unbelief from? Hell. What happened was, the child didn't get healed right away when the disciples prayed for him, so all discussing why it didn't happen. In comes the unbelief, all the discussions, all the negative, 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 the unbelief. He had faith, that's why he brought the child, but the unbelief came in. So the devil will send somebody, the hellish devil, will send someone just to sow enough unbelief, even though you have faith. So you have to, when you're in the battle, when you're going into battle now to fight a fight, whatever it is, you're diagnosed, whatever they said, you're fighting a fight. Now you're going to get a word from God. You're going to pray until the Lord has spoken. If that's you tell me to come. I need a word. Once I have a word, it doesn't matter who says what, what doctor, what person, it doesn't matter who says, because God said. Now I can't allow, I've got the faith. I can't allow the unbelief in. How am I going to do that? I've got to watch my time. I've got to focus and make sure nobody around me is filtering stuff into me. So I become selective. It's now in battle. Nobody goes into battle with taking all kinds of audio with them and dancing. They focus on the battle. They're listening for the enemy. They're watching carefully because now you're fighting. Until you've won the victory, you watch carefully what you're doing. Do you understand what I'm telling you? It's a fight. The fight is on. And you've got to watch carefully. Now you got the word. And now you keep battling. You've got to surround yourself with people that will say the right thing. Because I tell you, <laughs> Jesus said, if in your heart you doubt not. I'm thank God he didn't say in your head don't doubt. Because when I'm in a fight, my head is racing. The devil's sending every thought and every negative thing. But it's got to come from my heart, the negativity. So I've got to, I've got to safeguard my heart by keep saying what my head won't agree with. I keep saying it, keep saying it, and my heart keeps hearing it. I'm going to make sure, because what's in my heart comes out of my mouth, I'm going to make sure my mouth is agreeing with what God said. Do you hear what I'm saying? And I keep saying it. I, I get away from the people that don't agree with those words, that I say other things. I get away from them, because I cannot afford to get any unbelief. Yet faith is a mustard seed, but no doubt, the smallest doubt, the devil knows that. So the first time he, he introduces himself to Eve, he says to Eve, did God really say? That's all you got to do. Is God really going to heal you? Are you sure this is going to happen for you? You know that person died of COVID. Why would you be? You just said one doubt. And he's messed up your faith. He put the unbelief inside of you. So I'm here for you to say, here to tell you, in your journey of faith, you have to exercise your spiritual muscles and get that faith going. And so he didn't waver through unbelief of God, and the promise of God was strengthened in his faith and gave glory to God. How did he strengthen his faith? He fed and recited what God said. God said. God said. When I was, my wife and I were in a city called Bonn in Germany. It's the capital, well, they did for years, they did all the parliamentary things there. So it has a multi, the church I would go to is multilingual and many different uh, people there. And we went there one time and this man was determined to sing a special song he'd written for the stage for us. And it was so strange. And I, I just, oh. So we'd been there two years before and apparently this man, we, I'd prophesied that he's a school teacher, that he, he had got all these things that were great and prophetic word, but that God would heal him. 
he would not die. So he couldn't understand that because he was as healthy as could be. All the words I gave him were wonderful, but that was problematic. He's a school teacher. Of course, they're very detailed, the school teachers, and he rides back to school. He's a health nut. But three months after I was there, he was at, in class and he fell over with a heart attack and they, they made the, the, the emergency guys came and took an hour to get his heart going on a consistent basis. He was black and blue from all the shocking and all the constant uh, recharge and different things they were doing to him. And they said his brain was probably damaged because he had been out that oxygen so long. And he was in a coma for a, in the hospital. And his pastor came and brought the prophecy. Ed Trout came and kept reading it every day. After a month, this man, Uli, woke up and pulled all the stuff off him. And he left and he said they could find nothing wrong with his heart or any marks, there was no evidence of any kind of sickness, and he went home that day. Now wait, the story's not over. Now the pastor's wife, at the same time we had lunch, apparently they tell, me, they tell me all these things, walked with two crutches, and we sat at lunch, and I, I was looking at her and told her, are you taking medication? And she said, yes. I said, the medication you're taking is actually the wrong stuff. You shouldn't take any medication. Then you'll be healed. And she stared at me, and she told me when I came that same time that she didn't have the faith or the courage to stop the meds, but she began to reduce it. And now that I'd come back two years later, she was completely healthy without any meds, walking normally. What I'm telling you that is, when you get the word inside of you and you start fighting, apparently Uli had, had heard the word every day coming to him while he's in the coma, and the word kept reminding him of God's purpose. What people saw, what seemed a man in a coma that had a heart attack that seemed to be dead, going to die, not going to make it, but the word kept on, the word kept on. The power of his sent his word and healed him. And we have to know that what we are, God's extension. He made us in his image. And he, gave, he said, Ezekiel, can these bones live? I don't know, Lord. Well, you've got to speak. You've got to speak. The words are very powerful to God. He wants us to declare, COVID, you're dead. We curse you in Jesus' name. And you mean it because you have authority over him. I give you the keys of heaven and hell. The keys of heaven and hell. You've got a, what kind of car do you drive, Pastor? A BMW. Jesus drives a Mercedes. What's wrong with you? I'm just kidding. <laughs> But where's your keys? Upstairs. So if I could walk up to his car, he's a nice BMW, it's a five, it's an X5, right? And I could admire it, I could look at it, I can try and open it, but I, it means nothing to me, it's just a nice car. I have to have a key. But I have the key, I'm gonna drive it. I can get in and drive it, right? Jesus said, I give you the keys of heaven and hell. You the boss when you got the key. The man who locks that door, the man who, oh, who got the key for the car is the man that owns that, the man who's the boss of that vehicle or that house. Whatever that key opens and does, he is the boss. Jesus said, I give you the keys of heaven and hell. So COVID didn't come from heaven. It came from hell and he gave, we have the keys. We're the boss. That's what Jesus said. Either the word is true or it's not. Either we believe the whole Bible or scrap the whole thing. So when we stand up as a church and say, that's it, COVID, you're done. Then it has to be done because we have the keys. We're the boss, not, the, not COVID. Are you hearing me? You've been listening too long to bad management, people full of fear all the time. Take authority. You saw in this very house how your own leadership took authority over and fought the fight for you, set an example. And wherever you are in your life, whether it's finances, whatever fight you fighting, get the word of God. Get the word of God and do what that word says because it looks very opposite. What person leaves a perfectly good floating bloat to walk on the water because Jesus said, come. 
And he's walking on the water and he gets his mind or heart off those words and he begins to sink. The moment he began to think, he began to sink. Thinking will make you sink. You've got to believe what God says and recite it. Make sure that you keep it going inside of whatever battle you're in. Your battle is not any different. There's always going to be. And then you finish the one, you go to the other. And it keeps getting more intense. And God's going to keep on giving you victory as long as you apply the same principle. Are you here with me today? Golly, you guys are not getting it. Look, all masked wonders. Zorro. I've got Zorro sitting in front of me. Hallelujah. Did I teach you anything at all? Yes. Hallelujah. Good God. Good God.